Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I am here in Alexandria still. It's Sunday at like 3.18. The Saints are losing still, so that sucks. But I've got Rob on the phone. Rob, how are you hanging in Roanoke? I'm great, man. You know, low-key weekend. Uh, UVA is off. My Washington football team is off, too. So, you know, very relaxing. I don't have any stress going on. Um, <laughs> but excited to talk some hoops today, man. Season kicking off on Tuesday. Yeah, we're talking hoops. And to do that, we brought on a friend and special guest, uh, Andrew Benvenuto. Andrew, how are you doing today? Doing well, Dustin. Excited for the basketball season. As Rob had mentioned, I'm also a, a Washington football team fan, so it was a, a light weekend for me. So it's going to be nice to have a big Notre Dame game on Saturday and the start of basketball this week. Just uh, one touch on football. I know this is a basketball pod, but do you all think, you know, there was some light chatter that we might get um, college game day in Charlottesville with the 730 time slot? and on ESPN or a- a- ABC, do you guys think we are, we're, that was warranted at all? Are we good enough for that? Uh, maybe if we beat, had beaten BYU, there might have been more of a case for it. I think at the moment, not knowing who our quarterback was going to be, plus Notre Dame, even though they're ranked seventh in the latest poll today, I I don't know. I, I think I have a hard time getting excited about them. So I've got no qualms with that decision. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, I think they're they're going to Ole Miss, right? Is that is that who they decided yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I think it would have been interesting because I don't. We haven't hosted it for football. I don't think so. Not for it would have been a cool atmosphere, but um, you know, coming off of a, a loss, uh, it's it's tough to create excitement uh, from like a you know media perspective for ESPN. So I'm not surprised. But I think if we if we beat BYU, no questions about Brennan's health. I think it would have been a, a real question um, or, you know, or, or a real possibility. I mean, I even think there was some people reading into it like, oh, Virginia leaked it to ESPN that Brennan was going to be good to go next week. I, and I don't I don't think there's any merit to that. I think that next week's schedule is just weak and it's kind of right before rivalry week starts. And it's what's it, it's that's going to be in three weeks for Thanksgiving. So, you know, they need to spread it out a little bit. But uh, let's throw Ole Miss a bone because they definitely don't get any love down there. And, you know, Matt Corral is pretty fun to watch. So anyway, enough with the football talk. Let's get into basketball. But before we do, I do want to talk about our sponsor from Symbol. We have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks. And every time your team wins, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your team wins. 
Join the 7,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code SD to make your deposit risk-free. When you do that, it means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. We also are sponsored by Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to other fans athletes insiders in real time get in on the conversations that you listen to every day you can download the spotify greenroom app for free in the ios app store create a profile link your twitter account and join whatever group you want go ahead and download spotify greenroom today uva football is the softest bunch of cream puffs bow tie wearing brie cheese eating nascar wearing wussies i've ever seen in my life Punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. So, uh, basketball starts on Tuesday which is in two days, and we are starting off by playing Navy. Uh, we're at 9 o'clock on ACC Network, and there's a lot of good games that day. You know, the uh, Champions Classic is that day. I want to start off by first just going through the schedule, not like a game-by-game game thing, but I want to look at stretches of the schedule. I think this is going to be mostly in in the ACC portion, but that we do have some really tough and good tests in our non-conference games. I want to go through some of them and just check them out, see how we feel and what games are going to be most important or what stretches are going to be most important for us to really see what this basketball team is going to be like. So Rob or Andrew, uh, do you guys have any stretches? What What is your most important stretch for this UVA team? I think the, the big game that I'm excited for is at Houston. Obviously, that's the, the headline game in the non-conference slate. It's a, a road game against a top 15 team early on in the season. It'll be a good environment. Um, Houston is a, a tough, defensive-minded team. Uh, they lost a couple of guys from their Final Four run last year, but they, they brought in some people. I think uh, one of the guys... UVA fans might remember Kyler Edwards played on the uh, Texas Tech team in the national championship. Um, so that's that's the one that in the in the non-conference league that I'm really excited about. And it'll be cool to see, you know, going up against Jabri in Georgia. But in terms of the, uh, the ACC conference, I think early on we have a, a good test in January where we're at Syracuse on New Year's Day. And then at Clemson, at UNC, and home against Tech, I think you know that's a, a pretty tough um, way to start the ACC. Uh, Syracuse, obviously, with the two-three zone, there's some questions uh, going into the season on the team shooting. So to see how we can attack that, and obviously UNC and, and Virginia Tech are are both projected to finish in the top five in the ACC. So that's kind of um, you know it's a tough way to to start the. Uh, the conference season, but um, 
we'll be able to to answer a lot of questions. Um, and hopefully the team will will have uh, some good tests in the non-conference slate to prepare for that. I like- yeah, no, I agree with Andrew. Uh, or sorry, go ahead there, Dustin. No, I, I was just saying I agree too. W- what are you thinking, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw this somewhere. I can't remember where I read it, but I thought it was a good point. Um, in many respects, the non-conference slate is kind of a reflection of what Tony Bennett views as kind of the expectations or the learning curves from the team for the team. And you'll see lots of times, like going back a few years, like the Villanova games or just really how much we stack that non-conference slate. Um, you know, we typically do that for the better teams, the teams that Tony Bennett thinks, you know, that'll pay off in March, having those big games, you know, against different competition outside of the ACC. I think the fact that really the marquee conference non-conference game this year being Houston, which is currently ranked 15th in the AP poll, um, you know, I think it reflects a little bit that, you know, I think Tony Bennett knows there's going to be a few growing pains this season. Now, like Andrew said, getting into the non-con or getting into the conference slate, that is, uh, yeah, I mean, three straight games on the road, Syracuse, Clemson, and UNC is going to be a difficult stretch. And I think the team will kind of find its identity as the season goes on, as you know, all of Virginia teams do. But that stretched in the season as well. Duke, Florida State, and Louisville being the final three games. I think that's an interesting slate as well once we get later on in the season. Yeah, Rob, I'm going to extend that last slate of years. We, our last five games were at Tech, at Miami, Duke at home, Florida State at home, at Louisville. Uh, that and four out of five of those are on ESPN or ESPN2, and the other one is on ACC Network. So not only are we playing, you know, probably two of the three top teams in the ACC and Duke and Florida State, but we're going to be on national TV the whole time as well. And that's the last three weeks of the season. You know, that goes from February 14th, Valentine's Day, at Tech, uh, all the way to March 5th, which is the last day of the ACC schedule. And, of course, ACC uh, tournament starts the week after. So not only are we going to be probably playing for positioning in the tournament, we're also going to be in the eyes of the country. So when it comes time for seeding in the NCAA tournament, this is going to be a really pivotal moment. We've got some tests on the road and we've got some tests at home too. Probably the two best teams in the ACC at home. So I'm, I think those last five games are more, (laughs) that's kind of cheating to say they're going to define our season, but I mean, we're going to play our two, two rivals in Louisville and tech we're going to play Duke and Florida State at home and then throw Miami in there as well. Yeah, no, well said, Dustin. I think it's smart to extend that to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's receiving votes both in the preseason, uh, AP and coaches poll. You know, I think Kevin Aluma, uh, he speaks for himself. And they actually have the potential to have a lot of good shooters on the outside as well. So this could be a year, uh, what, I think it's the third season under Mike Young. It's going to be a year where tech um, definitely surprises people. But yeah, you know, overall, I'd say I'm kind of expecting an improved ACC over last year. Would, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I think the the bottom is, is still pretty weak with uh, Boston College and, and Wake. But the middle tier, I think Notre Dame will be significantly better than they were last year. They I think they returned their entire starting lineup and they, they had some 
close losses and some some decent wins last year. Syracuse should be uh, in the mix as well. Uh, Louisville will be interesting. So I think the you know, there's you know potentially seven to to nine teams that can make the the tournament. And unlike last year, I I, I think we'll have a a team that makes the NCAA's and is a top three seed. Uh, so hopefully that happens and the ACC is kind of back on track. You know, it's going to be weird because there are six teams in the preseason poll that received a first place vote in for this season. So I think that there's a lot, because a lot of times usually it's like Duke is going to win. Sometimes North Carolina, sometimes people like Virginia. But this time Duke, Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Louisville all got first place votes in this preseason poll. So I think even the the media is kind of conflicted on who is going to be really good. And I think it's difficult since last year there were no fans, a lot of transfers after last year. A lot of teams look a, look really different in this college basketball season. And so I think there's going to be a lot of – like that first kind of non-conference slate is going to be really important for a lot of teams to really show what they've got and also to to – gel you know we've got two players in Gardner and Franklin who are probably going to be really big pieces to our team and they haven't been on our team before so I'm really looking forward to seeing how this preseason poll lines out and just just for everyone I'll, I'll read off the teams real quick Duke was ranked first as usual, 47 first place votes. Florida State second with 14 first place votes. North Carolina in third with five first place votes. Virginia fourth with nine first place votes. Virginia Tech at f- and five with five first place votes. Louisville in six with one first place vote. Then it goes Syracuse, Notre Dame, NC State, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Miami, Wake Forest, Pitt, and Boston College at the bottom. So I think, you know, a lot of Teams can come out of there. Georgia Tech was pretty good last year, had a good run. NC State is and Notre Dame are always kind of good. Syracuse has a 2-3 zone. I think it's going to be an interesting year in the ACC. Yeah, and you know, the reason I bring that up, and we'll kind of talk about this later as we go on, is that last year, Virginia's coming off a season where they went 13-4 and four in conference, uh, tied for the regular season championship. So it'll be curious to see. I could certainly see UVA um, accumulating more than four conference losses this season. But with that, you know, it might be that might be a good pivot point into kind of transitioning into our own team a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have a little minute spreadsheet that, you know, that I guess this is the second year we're filling it out. But, you know, just projecting minutes player by player, they've all got to add up uh, to 200 for the average per game. And anyway, you know, I bring this up because we just filled out this sheet. And all of our minutes are pretty much the same. I think we're all expecting kind of the same starting lineup. There's a little bit of variation about how the rotation will play out. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd be curious to kind of just dive in and we'll get more specific as we go. But it seems like the starting lineup is going to be Kihei, Reese, Franklin, Gardner, and Shadrick. That was the starting lineup and the blue-white scrimmage. And, you know, that's kind of just logically the most likely starting lineup as well. But I guess just open the floor like do any of y'all have any uh you know any changes you'd like to make to that lineup or who do you see coming off the bench first uh I guess let's just start from there and then we'll kind of delve into players as we go you know we all have real like for the starters Kihei Reese Franklin Gardner and Shedrick we all have them 
kind of with similar minutes. You know, Andrew, for some reason, has Gardner only playing 29 minutes a game, which I think is ridiculous, and that's low. Um, you can defend that <laughs> Rob, later. If Rob, you has want. Him at, Rob has him at 32. That's, uh, that's not that big of a, a three, difference. Three minutes a game, whatever. And, um, and you yeah, we're Tate. all within five minutes, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just, you know, I think that the starters are going to play a lot, kind of how we've seen in recent years. You know, our bench is going to consist a lot of uh, McCorkle, Murray, Kafaro, and uh, Milicic. And t- two of those, really, three of those players have not gotten minutes, like significant real time minutes at all at UVA either. Kafaro is really the only one, and he really didn't play a lot last year. Um, of course, Milicic and Tane Murray are freshmen. Carson McCorkle uh, didn't redshirt last season, but it's a free year, so I mean, it could technically count as a redshirt. He still played, but didn't didn't play in any significant minutes at all. So I think that Cody Statman, really the only one with significant playing time is going to be the first one off the bench. And I mean, it could be, and this is the problem we, cause we don't know Tane Murray or Igor Milicic at all. Really? I mean, we've only known them from the blue white scrimmage. I don't know. I really don't know who Tony could call on as the first person off the bench. Yeah. You know, I think Cody is an important player this season. Um, and it's, you know, he's coming off of a season where I think he only played four games last year, undisclosed illness. So he's coming off a season where, you know, his role was really minimized. And you want to go back two years, he actually played quite a bit. He started 10 games in that 2019-2020 season, but he only averaged three points a game. Mm-hmm. So Cody all of, all of a sudden comes in, and I think he's a key piece or has the potential to be because of his versatility. You know, he can play the wing if you really want him to and the bigger lineups like at the three if you want to play a smaller lineup maybe he's provides a little bit of versatility at the four and the ability to spell Jaden Gardner but he's a guy that kind of can rotate at times to a certain extent between the front court and back court I will say personally the bench player I'm really keeping an eye on this season is Tane Murray I think Murray you know has the size and the characteristics to his game, the physicality, the ability to hit threes, to be a player that can create an impact as a freshman. And, you know, I don't want to make the comparison to Joe Harris because that's probably putting too much uh, on his plates, especially as a freshman and international player. But, you know, they're built similarly. And Joe Harris kind of came in and had a real impact as a freshman. So he's a player that I'm curious to see to see whether he can come in and provide an impact uh, really as the season progresses. Who do you think? Yeah, Andrew? The, the, the thing that I'm uh, looking forward to uh, most of the season is just seeing how the bench develops. I think last year there were, there was really no one who predicted uh, the starting lineup on the first game correctly. I don't think, I mean, uh, I think we were all expecting heavy minutes from, Tomas, um, seeing Justin McCoy in the starting lineup was surprising. Um, so this year, I think everyone is pretty spot on that the, the five starters are going to be Kihei, Reese, uh, Armand, Jaden, and Caden. Um, and they're all going to play heavy minutes, 25 plus, maybe even 30 plus. Um, so it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see 
who the first couple off the bench are. Last year it was Reese and Caden. I think this year it's probably going to be Cody and Poppy. I think they're the ones with the most experience. Um, Poppy's probably going to play because um, he's the clear big man backup. Um, so, you know, Caden or um, or uh, Jaden needs to come out. I think he's the, the first one who gets, uh, who gets some playing time. Um, but after that, I mean, is it Carson or Tane who – who gets the minutes? Obviously, the the rotation is going to shrink as the season progresses. So there's likely only room for Carson or Tane to play a decent amount of minutes because Tony's going to have Reese or Kihei on the court at all times. Um, so that's that's something to watch out for. And then Igor, uh, there's a lot of rumors that he's been one of the most impressive players in practice, but is he ready for ACC play? Um, is there room for him to, to play 10 minutes a game? Those are, you know, those are some of the things that I'm uh, interested to see develop as the season progresses. Say, I mean, I mean, same thing with, uh, you know, Igor, I think maybe more ready to play than the others, even Carson, because he, I mean, he was in a professional league and to be fair, it was not the you know, highest level. I mean, he did, he was on, he practiced with the highest level players, but didn't play that much. But he might be the most physically ready out of those, you know, car out of uh, McCorkle, Murray, and Milicic. He, Milicic might be the one that's most ready for ACC season, just because he is more built. Uh, he's got more experience playing uh, with older people. He might be he might be someone who surprises us in the season, and we see a lot more of him, especially if he's got a high motor. Uh, especially if he can shoot the ball a little bit, you know, it, de- it depends on a lot. Yeah. You know, I think this is all very interesting with Igor particular in particular too, because, you know, he really fills a clear backup role to Jaden Gardner. Like you think of Caden Shedrick, like kind of a pure center, um, you know, he's athletic, he's mobile, but kind of a pure center. And that's kind of how Poppy is too. Like, I think he fills a very clear backup there. Gardner, you know, he's listed at six foot six. I think he's going to be, you know, a throwback type of player like we had with Anthony Gill. Um, but, you know, he's clearly a four, for lack of a better word. And I think Milicic, while a very different player than Gardner, I think he slots better at that four position as well. So, you know, a lot is going to depend how Tony Bennett chooses to deploy this lineup. You know, are there going to be times where he goes real big with Shedrick and Cafaro on the floor? And are there going to be times where he goes real small when Jaden Gardner plays the five? So, you know, how this lineup, uh, you know, eventually fleshes itself out is going to have a big impact on how Igor is used. I will say I'm kind of cautious of Milicic and, you know, I should be more cautious, honestly, of Tane Murray. I think we've seen that international players, when they come into Virginia, there's typically a growth curve there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's fair for a lot of these guys to say, hey, let's kind of hold out. Um, you know, on expectations here for call it two, maybe even three seasons. But, you know, that's kind of like the broader point that we're kind of working around, but maybe you haven't addressed specifically yet is that this team only has 10 scholarship players. Now, Tony Bennett was nice enough to put Jaden Nixon, Chase Coleman, and Malachi Poindexter on scholarship this season as well. But there's really only 10 recruited scholarship players compared to last year's 13. And this is a deliberate roster move by Tony Bennett to try to decrease the turnover on the roster year over year. The fact that six of last season's top eight scorers are gone, that seven people 
out of last year's 13 have left the program either for graduation or to transfer. So with that, I guess I'd ask you guys, how do you feel about this smaller lineup? You know, there's maybe a little bit of a risk here in the sense that, you know, if some player gets hurt, there's less room on the bench to maneuver. But there's certainly the benefits that Tony Bennett has talked about, about, you know, minimizing turnover year over year. So anyways, I'm curious how you guys think of the tighter lineup and, you know, how that might help or hurt this season. Um, I'll go first and then Andrew, you can answer, but I kind of like it because when you, you know, if you go back to last season, we start off against Towson and then we start off against, um, and then of course we lose to San Francisco in the next game. Uh, in those two games we had, we played a lot of people. We played actually all of our people in that game against, of course we blew them out. And in the game against San Francisco, we, I feel like we also had a huge lineup. I feel like we played 11, maybe 12 guys in that game. And of course we were losing and, you know, hadn't, weren't really able to practice as a team, but yeah, we, we played 10 people. So if we play all 10 scholarship players every game, I'll be really surprised. Uh, I don't think that that'll, that'll happen at all, but I do like a smaller lineup because Tony's been going kind of a shorter lineup every year, you know, seven or eight players really, really, really play every game. And then there's sometimes, you know, if there's a problem or something, other people come in, but you know, I I'm kind of in favor of shortening the lineup. Now, the only problem is that, you know, Caden Shedrick has had injury issues and, you know, uh, Francisco Cafaro had didn't really play that much last year so if things go poorly we might not have the people to back it up Andrew what do you think yeah I I, uh, I agree with Dustin I think it's it's a good it's a positive development this year that most of the players have a clear role going into the season um, even players who played a lot last year, like Reese, there were questions, and I think he struggled a bit. You know, when do I defer to Kihei? When do I take over? Um, guys off the bench, minutes were inconsistent, and I think that led to the turnover with McCoy and uh, Morcel, where some games they were playing a lot and they were asked to do certain things, then other games they they wouldn't, and obviously that causes frustration. But even the guys who are going to be coming off the bench this year, like Carson, we don't know how much he's going to play, but it's when he goes in, the expectation is for him to, to knock down threes. And um, I think Armand, he's mentioned that they brought him in to, to be a, a lead scorer and, and shoot threes and put the ball on the floor and create shots. And Jaden uh, obviously is, is going to be big in the paint and, and trying to manufacture some points down low. So I think everyone kind of has a clear defined role going into the season, which will, which will be good for team chemistry. But as Dustin said, um, the, the lineup will be prone to an injury. If you go back to the 17-18 the season with Hunter getting hurt right before the, the postseason, um, those things you, you can't really you know, account for. And if it happens late in the season, the team has to pivot and, and find a way to, um, to source those minutes. So that's, that's the one down. That's the one like risk I see. But I, overall, if, if the team can stay healthy, I think, um, it'll be a, you know, a, a good change. Yeah. And, you know, I think actually that's a great transition and to kind of the next question I wanted to address to the group here is that, 
you know, as we've said, the lineup with Tony Bennett teams, it, it typically shrinks and really lineup, I should say rotation, you know, Tony Bennett might play nine guys and then, you know, it'll get down to eight guys and that eighth man might play five or six minutes a game uh, before a timeout or before halftime. But in essence, most of Tony Bennett's teams almost even shrink down to seven people uh, once you get towards the end of the season, as far as a rotation goes. So, you know, the way I'm looking at this lineup is I see a clear role for Poppy. You know, he's the clear backup to Shedrick. I think he's going to play, you know, I think conservatively conservatively around 10 minutes a game. You know, I also see a clear role for Cody Statman as kind of the swing three, four guy, depending on how they want to do their lineups. And I see a clear role for one of either Carson McCorkle or Tane Murray. I have a hard time seeing both of them playing bigger minutes, but I think as a backup guard, both of them certainly have an opportunity. So, when I'm looking at this lineup, I'm thinking of really eight guys, the five starters that we talked about, plus the combination of Statman, Poppy, and one of McCorkle or Tane Murray. Are you guys kind of thinking of the rotation in the same way, or do you guys have any different ideas about how this might play out? I think that one thing that we need to be sure of is how is the shooting on this team going to be? Because if the if we can shoot, if, if Franklin shows us that he can shoot the three ball, if Kihei and uh, Reese find their find their shot early, especially Reese, because Reese was really, really cold kind of at the beginning and in the middle of the season, but uh, kind of caught on as the season went on, got more comfortable. Kihei, as always, pretty steady in like the 30% range, but if he can catch fire, we might not need the extra shooting. But... If our shooting is bad, you know, we might even see more McCorkle than we're expecting, right? Especially against someone like Syracuse, where we just need someone to come and shoot the ball, especially if a a team that is just packing the paint like they do sometimes against us and just let us shoot all day. If McCorkle can come in and knock down some threes, which is what he's known to do, or what he's supposed to be known to do, then he might play a little bit more than we think. I think that's the only wild card is... How is our shooting going to be? But otherwise, I, I agree with Rob. But I think if our shooting is bad, we might see more McCorkle than we imagined. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's spot on. Armand, in the past couple of years, he's had games where he's been lights out from three. And just looking at um, the past games he played, there's games where he's gone 0 for 5, 0 for 6. And during those games, do you let him ride it out, uh, especially if Kihei and Reese aren't knocking down shots? or do you look to uh, deepen the bench and, and bring in guys like McCorkle and Tain and, and give them the green light to shoot? I think that's going to be interesting. And I'm, I'm less worried about the front court scoring. I think um, uh, Gardner is going to be around a 15-point-per-game scorer. I know the national media is interested to see if uh, he's going to be able to score against big men, but I think he's kind of proven himself in big games against Houston and some of the other tougher components in, in his past conference. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about him. And I think Caden is a skilled low post scorer. So it'll be just interesting to see the three point shooting of the starting lineup and how, how much we need to tap into the bench to, to get some threes. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Um, and it's again, something that I want to talk about here next is, you know, really when you're evaluating this team, like you said, you got to talk about shooting, Um, you also have to kind of talk about scoring in general. And I think 
a place to start there is in the backcourt. It appears the pairing of Kihei Clark and Reese Beekman both are kind of true point guards, but you know, both started a lot the second half of last season and appears that lineup is here to stick. Um, I'm curious what you guys just think about that lineup in general, because as I'm thinking about it, I'm really looking for Reese Beekman to have a breakout second year. Um, it appears by all accounts, he's ready to make that leap and, you know, showcased a little bit of that in the blue white scrimmage. But, you know, does that mean Kihei Clark is playing off the ball more? Um, and, you know, if you're playing the sides offense, it really matters less, you know, the distinction really between the three guards. But, you know, if you're playing a more different styles of offense that has a bigger effect, particularly if you want to talk about pick and roll or anything like that. So anyway, I'm curious what you guys think about that starting lineup um, or that pairing of Kihei Clark and Reese Beekman. And, you know, if there should be higher expectations for that duo coming into this year. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, if you look at it, Kihei is the leader of this team. He's a senior. He's been starting for four years. He will undoubt he's, you know, known as a great defender. He's known as a great distributor and and someone as a game manager. His scoring has not been something that he's been known for, although he can score the ball in high clips, especially if he's shooting well. And he has been really clutch in past years. You know, think about his uh, shot against Virginia Tech or his, um, a couple. He's had a couple other shots that have been just really clutch in the past couple years. So he can score, but is he going to score a lot? I think is going to be the real question. I think a lot of it will have to do with how well Jaden Gardner fits in. Now, a lot of people are thinking of Jaden Gardner as kind of a Anthony Gill 2.0. And from all the from all accounts it and from what we've seen in the blue rights blue right scrimmage and everything, he could be that kind of player where we have a real just a strong presence down low. We have someone who can crash the boards, someone who can get fouled a lot down low and really just go straight up with it and try and get a, a nice a nice easy bucket. If he if they have to put pressure on Gardner down low, it's gonna open up a lot of stuff for Reese Beekman out, out wide, Kia Clark out wide, and even Franklin to to do some slashing and, and some mid range stuff. So that's what I'm looking for. And I think that if we can have an inside presence, which frankly we haven't had a really big inside presence in a couple years. You know, Jay Jay Huff was tall and everything, but a lot of teams would push him outside and he would stay out there. So if we can get a guy who can just sit down low and, and eat up space and, you know, demand attention, I think it's gonna open up our offense a lot more. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see if and when Reese becomes like the clear lead guard. Um you know, I, they're obviously going to play a lot of minutes together, and it wouldn't surprise me if Kie um, brings the ball up to start the season. But I think the team will be at its best when Reese is able to attack, get into the paint, look for Gardner, or kick it out to um, Kihei or Herman for three. Um, I trust Kihei's shot a little bit more than Reese's, and I prefer Reese to get into the paint just given his athleticism, height, and um he's shown the ability to make the right pass. Um, so I, that's, that's kind of how I see them fitting. Um, but they're obviously when one goes out, the other is going to be the, uh, the clear point guard and whoever comes in will, uh, I think they'll be able to 
naturally play the position. But I, I'm hoping that uh, that uh, Reese is the, the the one and Kia is the two. If you have to put someone at the shooting guard position. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And that's pretty much where I'm at as well. You know, I think I had a lot of the same frustrations that a lot of people had last year, seeing them both on the floor together. And at first it worked really well. You know, both of them were distributors and the strength of our scoring really came from the trio of Puffhauser and Murphy, the three through five, if you will. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as the season went on, we saw, you know, kind of the progress stall there a little bit and, you know, maybe you know, Reese was hitting a freshman type of wall, even though he did hit that big shot against Syracuse, which was really great to see. But I agree with you. I see as the season goes on, my expectation is that Reese will kind of become more of the traditional point guard forcing the issue. Now, there's not a ton of 5'8", 5'9", shooting guards out there, which is, I guess, what we would ask Kihei Clark to do. Although Tony Bennett has said Kihei Clark has worked on his shot and trying to get a quicker release and that no one to use his quote, no one will mistake him for Kyle guy, but hopefully there's a little bit of a benefit there. Um, but I guess, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that's fair. I love it. Anyway. Yeah. Tony Bennett having a little fun with us. Um, but I guess, you know, I think a lot of, like you said, originally Dustin, a lot of how this backcourt pairing is going to work is going to be how the three point shooting looks. You know, if Reese, he shot 24% from three last year, if he is able to bring that up into the low to mid thirties, I think if Kihei Clark can approach, you know, closer to 40%, if Franklin can maintain his 42% clip that he had in Indiana last year, I think really the backcourt's ability to shoot the three is going to have a big determination on whether the pairing of Beekman and Clark in the starting lineup will be successful. I, I think that, you know, part of our problem last year was that Reese and Kihei were doing, trying to do the same thing last year. And then, the other three guys, um, you know, Hauser, Huff, and Murphy were also all kind of trying to do the same thing and play the same position. And even though it was, those were our five best players, they didn't always gel in the way that we wanted them to last year. And so sometimes it created a, a kind of a vacuum of stuff on the inside. So I'm really, really excited about Gardner this season. I think he's going to be a force down low. I'm looking forward to some hard-nosed basketball. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Well, good stuff, man. Um, with that, unless there's anything else you guys want to add on how the lineup works, you know, I think that's, there's going to be some experimenting early in the season, as there always is. Um, but unless you guys have anything to add there, I'd love to kind of turn our attention to keys to the season and, you know, whether or not that's a breakout player, whether or not that's the defense or how the scoring fleshes itself out. Um Unless y'all have anything else to add on the rotation, you know, maybe we can dive in there a little bit. Let's dive in. All right. Well, keys to the season. Andrew, I know because you texted me about this a week or so ago. I know you have a take that you want to share about, you know, keys to the season. And I know a lot of people, myself included, have talked about Jaden Gardner being maybe the biggest key. His ability to elevate up his game from the AAC to the ACC. But I think you might have a bit more nuanced take there. Is that right? Uh, that is correct, Rob. Um, I would say I think the a lot of the UBA media and the national media are, are saying that Jaden Gardner is the key player. And can he score at the level um, that he was that he was able to in his, you know, in his past three seasons? And there was actually an interesting article in The Athletic this week that um, 
I think it was called the the 25 most intriguing players this year. Um, and they, and Jaden Gardner was in that list and they, they said something along the lines of like, no one has to be as right about a guy as Virginia has to be right about Gardner. Um, but I, I really see the the key success coming down to Reese and and Caden. I think Tony brought them um, to ACC Media Day for a reason. Um, Kihei and and Gardner are going to give you, um, you know, I think Tony expects a, a certain output from them, and he's confident that they'll be able to deliver. But is Caden averaging? eight points a game or is he averaging 14, 15 points a game? Is he able to block a couple shots a game, uh, get close to double digit rebounds? I, I'm not sure. Reese, is he able to knock down shots? Is he able to make a similar jump that past point guards have been able to make? You think about Ty going in from going into his second year from his first year, there were questions even if he was going to start um, that year. So I think there's a good, uh, you know, past uh, trajectory of, of point guards under Tony Bennett making a jump from first to second year. So it's just how big of a jump does, does Reese make? So um, those are, that's kind of like my hot take, if you will. But the other couple of things that I'm looking forward to seeing is um, I think this three point defense from the team this year is going to be really special. I think potentially sub 30%, which I think last year was around 35%. Um, you just have some pests in, in Kihei and, and Reese. And I know Armand Franklin's got some experience in the pack line and he's uh, acknowledged as a, a good defender. So I think that's um, something, especially if we're not sh- uh, shooting threes at a high clip, uh, if we're able to, to limit the three-point production of other teams. Um, so those are a couple of things that I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing. I mean, so you, I mean, you bring up some good points, right? I mean, under Tony Bennett, you think back to the great point guards that we've had, London, and the the jump that he was able to make from his first year to his second year in terms of his scoring. Uh, you think about Ty, the same kind of deal. You know, first year, started off really cold, came on kind of a coming out party against Villanova, and then his second year, he just takes off with what he can do with the ball. Kihei is kind of an outlier in the sense that he was, you know, he won a championship his first season, and really the the next year it was counted on to be the leading scorer of the team, which is not really his role. And then you've got Reese Beekman, who I think follows more of a London tie kind of model, where he is, you know, started off the season a bit slow, found his comfort, really good defender. Uh, great vision, great accuracy with his passing. And, you know, the thing that he's, the thing that was missing for him last year was that ability to score kind of when he wanted. Uh, You know, you see him in the ACC tournament last year, hit that shot against Syracuse to send us into the next round. I think that's a huge confidence booster for someone like him. You know, you can look back on that and, you know, all the work that he's put in over the summer to develop his shot and everything, I think that it's more likely that he is going to get better than not get better. I'm I, I'm actually not worried about Reese Beekman at all getting better. I have full faith based on his work ethic and the past point guards that we've had on this team, you know, in their development. The the one that I think kind of runs everything, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier is Jaden Gardner and, and what he can do with the ball and 
if he can put up the numbers that we think he can, then it might change everything. Now, if Gardner turns out that he's not as strong down low, he's getting bullied a little bit, you know, he's a little bit undersized at 6'6". He's really, I mean, he's big. He's 246, 250, but listed at 6'6". So he's a little bit shorter than, than Anthony Gill was. He's a little bit bigger. Can he play defense at the four position? Can he get those offensive rebounds and putbacks like Anthony Gill could? I really think that, and Rob, I'm curious to hear what you think. I think Gardner is really the one that can turn this season around, right? Because he was playing in a lower league. He put up some really good numbers there, but again, that's playing against people not in the ACC and not on big Mondays and not in the ACC tournament. So what seeing what he can do with this team and how he pushes this team forward, I think is really what is going to... Um, really where this team can go yeah no i totally agree with you although i probably have a little bit of a different spin on it um and this kind of goes back to andrew's point as well i think Jaden gardner probably defines where the floor is of this team mm-hmm. and i think the athletic article is absolutely right you know virginia is absolutely counting on Jaden gardner i mean it's it's a big leap you know from the aac to the acc on a weekend and week out or even day in and day out basis but you know Jim Gardner had a successful game against Houston last season when they played in February um you know he's had an overall successful career with three years at East Carolina so I see no reason why Jim Gardner can't replicate that success at UVA I think really what's going to define the ceiling of this team though if Jim Gardner is defining the floor ceiling is really going to be defined by like what Andrew said the Reese Beekman the Caden Shadricks the guys that you know, we're really counting on to take a big step forward. And, you know, when it comes to Reese Beekman, I think the answer is more so scoring. You know, I think Reese has shown that he's probably an elite defender already at the ACC level. But the question is really, you know, does he have the confidence and the ability to, you know, push the floor in transition to, you know, drive to the basket and kick out and not always defer to Kihei to do that. And with Shedrick, I think, for me, the biggest question, which ties into a bigger theme with Shedrick, isn't so much as scoring because I think he will be able to score. And I think this offense will flow through the bigs this year in the paint. But I think Shedrick's ability to become kind of the next Tony Bennett rim protector, if you will, is going to be a big key to the season. Because I think offensively, you know, there's some questions here and there, but I think they'll be OK. But another key to the season to me is just having the defense return to an an elite level and you know going back uh i wrote this down so 2014 to 2020 those seasons virginia was in the top 10 ken palm efficiency every year i think the lowest they were was seven and they were typically in the two through five range last year virginia dropped to number 36 and adjusted defensive efficiency per ken palm so that's a number that's still good it's still you know in the upper tier of college basketball but Virginia really, really wants to get back to, you know, kind of the grinded out but successful style we saw with Tony Bennett really under those first couple years um, when they were competing at the national level, the 2014, 2015, 2016 season. I think the defense has to make a big step up. And, you know, Shedrick and really spilling over to Gardner, too. I think it's going to really depend on how well those two can play and much increased minutes this year. Yeah, I'm, I, Rob, I'm also hoping that one 
or two guys emerge from the bench and can be counted on to be somewhat consistent. I think last year that was an issue. Um, it was outside of the starting lineup. You weren't sure who was going to, to score. Was Casey going to contribute at all? Was Tomas going to get hot? Um, you know, was Justin going to have an impact game? I and mean, when you look back a couple years ago, you had DeAndre uh, coming off the bench that one year. And then the year after that, you had Mamadi and Braxton, who were kind of the two guys um, that you could count on to bring something, even if it wasn't scoring, but impact the game in a meaningful way. I'm hoping one or two guys are able to emerge this year, uh, whether that's Statman or uh, Poppy or Igor, whoever it is. We just need one or two guys to, to count on off the bench. Yeah, and, and so, you know, and that all starts on on Tuesday against Navy, it's at nine o'clock. Um, I want to, before we go any further, I want to talk about kind of the national perception of Virginia and, and how people are treating us. But before we do that, I do want to talk about our sponsor from Symbol. Symbol is a sport stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use the promo code SD to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. We are also sponsored by Spotify Green Room. Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform. It is free to download and free to use. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, or reacting to breaking news. You can download Spotify Green Room for free on the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever groups you want. Go ahead and download Spotify Green Room today. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I want to end by talking about the kind of national perception of Virginia. As we talked about earlier, Virginia was selected as fourth in the ACC preseason poll. Uh, We are ranked 25th in the you know in the AP poll to start the season which doesn't really mean anything but kind of nice to have and there's some interesting scheduling things that I think are fun but just like kind of to start off Andrew what do you think is the national perception of Virginia at this point we are two years removed from from a national championship Um, how do you think people are seeing us this year yeah, I think on on a national level, I think there's still a tremendous amount of respect for the program, and that's why UVA is is ranked 25th and ranked in I think to finish fourth in the ACC. I think UVA can overachieve by those standards, but when you look at you know who UVA lost and the guys, uh, I mean, we're all expecting Reese to make a big jump, but it doesn't surprise me that um, uh, guys who, who work for ESPN or the athletic or whoever aren't necessarily um, seeing that. So I think with Tony Bennett, people expect this program to, to finish in the top four or five in the ACC on a consistent basis and, and make the tournament. So um, I don't feel that UVA should, should, I don't think UVA should feel disrespected uh, by any means, but I do think, uh, I, I am a little bit more bullish, if you will, on this team. I think UVA will finish in the top three in the ACC, potentially top two. And I think they'll be able to to get to a Sweet 16 this year, assuming everyone's healthy and the players um, make the, the necessary jumps. And, and after that, I, I think players still want to come to UVA. We have a really solid recruiting class coming in next year. Um, and it, it, with guys potentially returning in Caden and Reese, there will be a good mix of experience and, um, and, and new faces. So I, I, I think the, there's still some, some good days ahead for the program and can get back to a final four in the next few years. But that's kind of how I, I guess, look at it this year and bigger picture. Yeah. Rob, what about you? Yeah. I think the idea that Virginia was ranked 25th and both the AP and coaches poll really goes to show the level of respect nationally that's out there for UVA, because as we said earlier, you know, the UVA isn't a team that's returning a lot of people and the players that it's returning aren't exactly big scores from last season and uh, Kihei Clark and Reese Beekman. So in many respects, I think the fact that Virginia has even ranked 25th is, you know, an idea of how well respected Virginia is nationally. Now I think there's going to be some growing pains this season. I think Virginia being voted fourth and the preseason ACC poll behind Duke, Florida State, and North Carolina is about right. You know, I can see Virginia climbing up there a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I can also see Virginia Tech, as much as it hates me to say that, having a pretty good season and maybe leapfrogging Virginia. So I think the polls got it about right, uh, but I think there is a level of respect for UVA that is being reflected in these polls because, you know, Virginia, I think, as Andrew said, you know, I think inside the fan base and inside the program, we know that there's a lot of potential on Reese Beekman. There's a lot of potential on Caden Shedrick. 
but to the national guys, you know, they might not be as well read into those players. So I think the fact that Virginia is even ranked 25th is, you know, a level of respect or it shows a level of respect um, to how far this program has come under Tony Bennett. I, I agree with that. What all of you guys are saying, I think that, you know, it's a huge deal for us to be, to be ranked fourth. We're getting some more first place votes than Carolina. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't think Carolina is going to be great this year, you know, first year without Roy Williams, huge deal for them. Uh, you know, it's going to be weird with Duke this season, just having the coach K fanfare everywhere. That's going to be annoying and not an issue for them, but I'm wondering if it's going to be distracting at all or, or how they're going to deal with that. Florida state being ranked second, I think is really good. I, they have a great team. Leonard Hamilton is a really great coach. He brings in great recruiting classes. I, I hate playing them because they are always well coached and they play great defense and they just have huge players. I want to, I want to switch it real quick to, to TV on TV. We have, um, I've done some math real quick. We have 10 Saturday ACC games as well as, let me do it real quick. One, two, three, four, four big Monday games, all of which are going to be on ESPN. Uh, that includes the game against Iowa, which is in November. So I don't know if it's technically big Monday yet, but you know, we, we are featured a lot on ESPN or ESPN two this season, including games against Houston, Iowa, North Carolina, Virginia tech, Louisville twice, Duke twice and at Virginia Tech. So I'm really excited to be able to see the who's and be able to get a sense of how the media and how other fans feel about them. For some reason, that's important to me. No, I think it's a great point to make. I mean, Virginia, people want to see Virginia. You know, people like we have to go back. People used to hate UVA, like especially when they weren't good. Um, at the beginning of Tony Bennett's tenure. And mm-hmm. then when they started making them good, it became a debatable, controversial topic. You know, is Virginia basketball fun, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's a testament really to Tony Bennett's uh, flexibility as a coach. You know, I think there's always going to be an adherence to the pack line and defense coming first and foremost. But we've seen this offense evolve over the past several years as well. And you know, it used to be, you know, mover blockers, sides, whatever you want to call it. That used to be the staple. Virginia has gotten away from that in more recent years um, to fit the personnel. Although, you know, just as an aside, I personally am expecting more mover blocker this year. But, you know, I think it goes to show that, you know, Virginia has found a level of success. And also Tony Bennett has been flexible in making this team, you know, really maximizing the talent on any given team. So I think people are starting to appreciate that. And Virginia is becoming just more respected throughout the country. Andrew, uh, your thoughts on how Virginia is perceived uh, nationally, but also just within the ACC. Yeah, I think, I think UVA is more respected in the ACC than they are nationally. I think no one in the ACC wants to play us because we every year we're you know first or second for the most part um but i think nationally um you know there's still the the group of people that think uva is slow and boring and i think that's that's fine i don't think that really limits us in recruiting and i think we're still able to get a lot of 
uh, high profile games. Like you mentioned, you listed them off on Saturdays and big Mondays on ESPN. So, um, you know, I think this team, I think Tony said, if you hated Virginia basketball before, you're really going to hate it this year. Um, It's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what this team's identity is. And, you know, um, if they're not relying on threes as much and they're able to force feed Jaden and Caden and let them go to work, uh, this team might be able to score more points um, than, uh, than it was able to a couple years ago, um, but less relying on threes. So it'll, I think it'll just depend on, on how this team's able to score, but I think the defense for UVA fans is going to be really exciting to watch this year, um, especially along the perimeter. Uh, and then Caden kind of leading it in, in the back. So that's those are kind of my thoughts. But um, I'm I'm really excited for this year. I think last year basketball was just not obviously it wasn't taken away from us. We we had a season and all, but it just felt weird with big games getting canceled mm-hmm. and not knowing if you were going to be able to play in a couple of days. And then especially with how UVA season ended, um, it just didn't. Even though they got a chance to play, it just didn't even feel right. So this year I'm, I'm looking forward to the continuity and, and this team able to, to grow and practice and, and hopefully compete for an ACC championship and go, go, go far in March. And with fans coming back too, that's a huge deal. I think for, for every, not just, not just UVA, but you know, everyone having fans back, you know, seeing fans that first nine Madison square garden for those first two games in the champions classic with Duke, Kentucky, Michigan state and Kansas, I think it's going to be really fun, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it as well. Um, Rob and Andrew, I'm going to give you all the last word. We, uh, what is one word to describe how you're feeling about UVA's upcoming season? Excited is the easy word for me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not good with words, Dustin, but I'm just going to say <laughs> uh, I'm just going to use the word. Uh, you could give us a number, too. Uh, like, if you're a numbers guy, give us a number. No, nah, I'm just going to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the word uh upside just because i okay. think there are a lot a lot of guys especially on the bench like tan and igor where if they're able this is a, a good year for players who um may not have gotten minutes in the past because of uh depth um they're going to be kind of thrown into things and if this team really grows and the guys who we need to step up do uh it'll be i think good for uva this year but also good for the next couple years as well I agree. Um, one word I want is defense. Uh, after this football season with no defense, I'm looking at forward to actually seeing some good defense. I'm. I think that we're gonna have a great defense this year. We've got some great guards who can play. We've got some length with Caden. I'm really looking forward to it. And with that, uh, I appreciate Andrew for you coming on. Rob, thanks for making time for me again, and uh, I appreciate y'all talking some hoops with me. Uh, I'm excited as well to start talking about hoops during the season, uh, as well as football. You know, I love this part of the year where we have basketball and football combined, so it'll be fun. It always confuses me when, you know, you see scores on the ticker on Saturdays and it's like, wow, someone scored 80 points in a football game. That's crazy. But really, it's just a basketball game. In any case, um, <laughs> We are the Guys and Ties podcast. Thanks, Andrew, for joining us today. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for any bonus content that Rob puts out there at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on iTunes and Spotify if you want to keep listening. And we will see you all next time. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.